Amen. And I want to just uh, dive right in. So we're going to begin part two of our series called The Character Test. The Character Test. And our character is revealed by our responses to these tests. Amen? So God allows tests in our lives so that He can reveal our character to us. And hopefully, when we can see ourselves for who we really are, we can change for the better. So, part one, I talk about four character tests, right? I say that how we respond to these tests will determine our character. So, number one, the character test is how we respond to failure. Number two, how we respond to success. If the devil cannot kill us through failure, he will kill us through success. Number three, how we respond to temptation. And number four, character is revealed by time. Amen? Today, I want to go straight into number five, character test. Character is revealed by our friends. If you want to know a person's character, get to know the friends they hang out with. When I look at a person's friends, I know the person's character. Because we are the average of the five people we hang out the most with. I say one more time, we are the average of the five people you hang out the most with. So if I want to know you, I see the top five people you hang out with. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says this, that bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. So even if you have good character to begin with, if you hang out with the wrong people, with negative people, with bad people, eventually it will influence you. I like this verse in Proverbs 12, verse 26. It says here, the righteous... Now, do we have righteous people here? Yeah, Yeah, the Christians, you are righteous, right? The righteous should choose his friends carefully. Now, the operative word here is choose. Listen, we choose our friends. All the friends that you have, you chose them. Because nobody forced themselves to be your friends. Nobody can force you to be your friends. Every friend that we have, we chose them. Uh, Paths may cross, but you choose to be friends and you choose not to be friends with some people. So I have seen, especially young people, they have chosen wrong friends, which also means that God has brought good friends along their life, but they have chose not to befriend them. So choose your friends carefully because your choice of friends will reveal your character. Because if you choose a friend because they are cool and popular, it reveals your character. If you choose a friend because uh, he is successful and rich, it reveals your character. If you choose a friend who is powerful, influential, and connected, it reveals your character. 
So your choice of friends will reveal your character. Amen? So I have found out that people of the same kind flock together, as they say. I found that positive people flock together. Academic people flock together. People who want to progress in life flock together. On fire Christians flock together. Backsliders flock together. How many of you noticed that? People who are offended flock together. It is how it works. Your friends will reveal your character. Can I go on? You know, part one, I talk about character is revealed by time. So before you hire somebody, promote somebody, select somebody to be a leader, or marry somebody, you've got to know their character. And character is revealed by time. And I, I say to you, don't rush into a serious partnership. Give it time and pray to God. Say, God, reveal this person's character to me because only you know the hearts. And God loves you. God will reveal it if we are willing to see and wait. So God will reveal, God will sometimes expose. And so, number six, how does God do it? Character is revealed by the devil. (laughs) Character is revealed by the devil. God uses the devil. I say one more time. God uses the devil to reveal our character or people's character. So, I want you to go to Luke 22 and verse uh, 31 to 34. Before we go there, let me give you the background. Can I? Here, you know the story. At the end of the gospel, Peter, one of the most prominent disciples, he denied Jesus three times. Jesus was uh, arrested and betrayed and arrested. And uh, as he was arrested, people asked Peter, do you know him? And G- uh, Peter said, I do not know him. Yeah. Three times. You know the story, right? Yeah. And here, we backtrack to the point where, where Peter was told by Jesus that you are going to betray me or you are going to deny me. And, G- and look at the response, all right? It was almost like a prophecy. So chapter 22, verse 31. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, who is also named Peter, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I, Jesus says, I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, you will strengthen your brethren. Verse 33. But Peter said to Jesus, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow. In other words, it will not even be the next morning because roosters crow in the morning, right? shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you know me. So it's a very interesting study. So can I break it down for you? So let's go to verse 31. Jesus said to Peter, 
Simon, Simon, Peter, Peter, indeed Satan has asked for you. It's very interesting that Satan has to ask permission from Jesus. I want you to know that Satan is not all-powerful. He cannot attack Christians anytime he wants, as and when he wants. In order for him to attack, he has to ask permission. God is in control. See, very often we think in this world that there is a conflict between good and evil. And that is true. There are conflicts between good and evil. But we seem to think that it's the same way in heaven. And that is not true. There is no conflict between God and Satan, God and the devil in heaven. Because the devil is a subject of God. He is not equal to God. He is a created being. So do not think that in heaven, it's like a movie. Jesus and Satan are nemesis. They are fighting a battle in heaven. And we got to pray really hard that Jesus wins. And Jesus barely wins that boxing match. No, 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 no. It is not true. The devil is subject to Jesus in heaven. He is defeated. He is a defeated foe. He is going to hell. God has the ultimate victory. Got to understand that. So do not be afraid of the devil. Now, having said that, so you understand that in order for the devil to attack, he has to ask permission from Jesus. Amen? Now, why would Satan ask for Peter? Of the millions and millions of people in those days, Satan asked for Peter. Why did he specifically ask for Peter? Because Satan knows that there is a character flaw in Peter's life. There are weaknesses in Peter's life that he can exploit. Satan may not be everywhere, but he has lived for a long time. And when he looks at us, he has wisdom. And he knows when we have character flaw. And when we have character flaw, he goes to God and asks for permission to attack. But you know what? There is no smoke without a fire. It is true that Peter had a major character flaw because if you only were to go backwards seven verses, so now we are at verse 31, go back to verse 24. It says here, now there was a dispute among the disciples. And what was that dispute about? It was about which of them should be considered the greatest. Didn't Jesus taught them that the least shall be the greatest? And the servant is the greatest of all. They don't get it. They were fighting among themselves who is the greatest. In, in fact, it's not even who is the greatest. Read carefully, who is considered the greatest. It doesn't matter who really is the greatest, who seems to be the greatest. There is a big weakness, a character flaw in Peter's life. 
it is called pride and ego. And the devil knows that. The moment the devil sees pride in our lives, seven verses, he's here. In seven verses, he's talking to Jesus and asking permission for us. The devil can smell pride like sharks can smell blood in water. How the God Church, be careful of pride. Pride is the beginning of downfall. The Bible says God resists the proud. So as I'm very careful, as God promotes how to God church, be very humble. Because I've seen many people and leaders and ministry that God promotes, but they allow pride to creep into their lives, into their hearts, and then they go down. Be very careful. Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. Promotion does not come from the east or the west, but from the Lord. Your life, your blessing, your success comes from Jesus. Take no credit for it. Yes, you work hard. Yes, you were smart. But Jesus is in control. Amen? So Satan smelled the pride in Peter's life. Seven verses, he's asking permission. And what did God say? Oh, God is a good God. God would protect us. God would say no. No, Jesus said, yes. We open the door. Come, be my guest. Now, that's not the response we want from God, right? We would think God put a hedge of angels around Peter to protect him day and night. Angels, cherubims and seraphims wielding the sword of fire. Protect your great disciple, Peter. No, God removed everything, opened the door and Satan, come in. Seven verses, seven verses, he's there. So why did God say yes? Why did Jesus give permission? Because proud people do not know they are proud. I I know it sounds very profound, but yet it's very simple. Proud people do not know they are proud. Because if you knew you were proud, you will not be proud. It's like, Deceived people do not know they are deceived. Because if you know you are deceived, you won't be deceived. Are you getting this? Peter is proud. He doesn't know it. So God, Jesus, has to open the door, give permission to Satan to come in. Amen? Why? Because we learn God uses the devil to reveal our character. Do not think that the devil attacked as his whim and fancy. It is God using him as a pawn to work for him with us so that we can be better people with more character and holier. Amen? So the devil is a tool. So let's look at uh, verse 31 again. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you. Now, the word sift is very interesting. Sift means to strain out all impurity. So you have a sift and you put substance through, the pure will go through, the impurity will, be, will remain at the top as a residue. 
So the devil asked Jesus for permission to sift Peter, to help remove Peter's impurity. Why would the devil do that? Why would the devil want to help Peter be a person of better character? Because, listen to this, go down to verse 32. But Jesus says, I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. So the devil is confident Peter will fail. But Jesus is confident that he will not fail. So there is a heavenly betting going on, a spiritual betting going on. Jesus is betting on you and I when we go through testing and sifting that we will not fail. The devil is betting that we will fail. Jesus believes in us. The devil doesn't believe in us. Jesus says He will pray for us that our faith will not fail, but the devil is hoping that our faith will fail. How to God, church, I want you to know. Maybe some of you right now are going through a difficult time, and it has shaken your faith. Maybe you are going through a time of testing or a time of sifting. Listen, it is not that God has left you. It is not because you have sins in your life and therefore God has abandoned you. No, 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 no. It is also not because God doesn't like you and is cursing you. It is because God allows the devil to save you so that you can be better. And when you are going through the sifting, I want you to know that God, Jesus, believes in you. Jesus is praying for you. Sometimes you feel that you are alone when you go through a sifting. That is not true. You are going through a sifting. You are not alone because Jesus in heaven is praying for you. As much as He prays for Peter, He will pray for you. He is praying that your faith will not fail. He is praying that you will return. And not just return, coming back crawling, barely making it, scraping through no, he's praying that you will return and you get so strong, so much better, you now can strengthen your brothers and your sisters in the faith. That's what Jesus is praying for you. He is believing in you. He's for you. He's cheering you on. He's praying for you. So, how to God, church? If or when you go through a testing and a sifting, your response will determine will reveal your character. Respond well. The best time for you to show character is when you are discouraged, when you are sifted, tested. That is the time because you are in the test and Jesus is for you. Amen? The problem is this, is that many times when, when we are being tested, when we have problems in our life, we think that Jesus is not for us. No, 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 no. He is for us, but He's letting us take the test. You know, I shall say this. I tell pastors all over the world that when Jesus is silent, when the teacher is silent, you know, many of you are in school, right? And the rest of us, you have taken exams before, right? 
Your teacher talks all the time. How many of you feel like your teacher talks all the time, talks and talks and talks? Sometimes it can be quite soothing. It's like the background music that puts you to sleep. Hope the pastor is not like that. The teacher talks all the time. Every day when you go to school, the teacher is talking. But there is only one occasion when the teacher keeps quiet. When is that? When you are taking exams. When you are taking a test. In a test, even you lift up your hands and ask your teacher a question, he will not speak back. It felt like the teacher will not answer you, have abandoned you to your test. When God is silent, when the great divine heavenly teacher is silent, it is not because he has abandoned you. It is because you are going through a test. Focus on the test. Respond well. When Jesus was on the cross, He says, God, my Father, my Father, why have you forsaken me? And there was silence from heaven. Why? Because Jesus was going through the greatest test of His life. And when He passed the test, three days later, He rose from the dead. And because of Him, humanity, civilization, we are saved in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus. Are you getting this? So, Satan is believing that Peter will fail. Jesus is believing that his faith will not fail. But go down to verse 33. Look at the response of Peter. He said to Jesus, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. So when Jesus was warning him of his pride, Peter absolutely shut the door and rejected. Peter will not even entertain the thought that he could be proud. He says, no way, God, no way, Jesus, you are wrong. I love you so much. I am so faithful. I am so loyal. I will go with you to prison and to death. You see, pride always causes us to overestimate ourselves. Spiritual pride causes us to overestimate ourselves spiritually. It causes us to have an unreal perception of our level of commitment. Peter, in his pride and ego, thought, and he genuinely believed it. It wasn't a lie. He wasn't being hypocritical. He genuinely believed that he will go to prison and death for Jesus. Because pride has a way of blinding our eyes from ourselves. In fact, he says this in Matthew 26, verse 33. Peter answered and said to Jesus in the same occasion, he says, even if all, all the rest of the disciples are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. More than spiritual pride, pride comes from comparison. Pride comes from competition. And Peter was so proud, so egoistical, that he thinks he's higher than all the rest of the 11 disciples. He thinks he's better. 
He says, even if James falls, even if John stumbles, even if Judas betrays you, even if, if all the rest of the disciples forsake you, I'm not like the other 11. I am Peter. Can you feel the stench of pride? How to God, church, I say to all the leaders here, never compare, never compete, never think that you're better than other leaders. If you ever think, I am a better leader, I'm holier, I am more committed, why am I not promoted? Why am I not doing more? Why am I not more blessed? If you think that you are better, that begins the pride. And pride, God resists the proud. Amen? You know, I have never thought that I am a better pastor than other pastors. Never. You know, because I understand that even if I do something better than the other pastor, it is because we have different giftings. I may be good in the management and the leadership part of the church, but this guy may not be that good in this area, but he may be good in another area. He, maybe he can dance. I cannot dance to save the world. You know, uh, maybe, you know, I'm really bad at uh, hospital visitation. You know, if you're in a hospital, you get other people to visit you, not, not me. Because I'm a klutz. I go into the hospital, I do not know where to stand. I do not know what to do. I do not know what pray to pray. I, I, I'm just bad in hospital visitation. You know, when you are sick, uh, I will visit you and then I pray that you survive my visit. But some pastors, they are unnatural. I mean, when they are in a hospital, their, their heart comes through. They are so comforting, so encouraging, so full of faith, so just amazing. Are you getting this? I never think I'm a better pastor. And even, even in the rare occasion, if, if I ever think that I am a better pastor than this person or this pastor in every area, then you know what? Jesus reminds me of a scripture, of a parable in the Bible, that he gave a servant five talent, two talent, one talent. And so it could be that God gave that pastor of person one talent, and God has given me two talents. And yes, I may be better in areas, but you know what? I don't feel pride. I feel responsibility. Because when we meet Jesus face to face in heaven, he only has to account for one talent, I have to account for two. So never let spiritual pride get into your life because it causes you to overestimate yourself, overestimate your level of commitment and loyalty to Jesus. Amen? So it's very interesting when uh, in, on my birthday that uh, young people, older people as well, but especially young people, they like to write me notes and cards. And I appreciate that and I, God bless you. Keep writing, okay? And because you keep writing, so the thing is that I take time to read. So sometimes I take like six months to read. So by the six or nine months, I'll pick this book up of notes and I read it. And this person will be saying, um, I am faithful to the end and I will never forsake Jesus. I will never leave church. And I thought, wow, what a cool guy. He can be a leader. I go to Charleston. Charleston, this is such a great guy. He can be a leader. Charleston said, oh, pastor, he backslided two months ago. <laughs> Pride causes us to overestimate ourselves, to make empty promises 
when we really don't have the substance. Peter said, you know what? Jesus, even if the rest stumble, I will never stumble. I will go with you to prison and death. But Jesus says, before the next morning, you would have denied me three times. Amen? So, this brings me to the next point. Our judgment is off because our character is flawed. So, point number seven, character is revealed by your judgment. Your judgment, our judgment is tied to our character. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 says this, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Woe to those who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Our judgment will reveal our character. For example, if we have a young lady and she is dating this terrible guy, I mean, this is a complete jerk. Uh, this guy who abuses her, uh, this guy who just tortures her, this, this bad person, and eventually she breaks it up with this guy. Three months later, she is with another guy, and you know what? Deja vu, this, this other guy does the same to her, abuses her, and just a terrible guy. And she breaks it up. And then six months later, she was with a third guy. And the same thing happens. You make the wrong choices, the wrong judgment for one guy. It's a mistake. But if this young lady makes bad judgment for multiple guys again and again and again, I begin to suspect that her judgment is linked to her character. She makes poor judgment because she has a character flaw or she has a weakness in her life. That somehow her value system makes her attracted to the bad boys. Are you getting this? So your judgment will determine or reveals your character. So Peter's judgment of himself is wrong because his character is flawed. Amen? But God uses the devil to reveal to us our character. Proud people do not know they are proud. Amen? So, so God wants to bring what is inside of Peter and bring it out. He wants Peter to come face to face and confront his own weaknesses and bad character. So how does God do it? Two steps. Firstly, God will reveal it to us privately, personally. So God speaks to you. God speaks to you through the Holy Spirit. God speaks to you through the Bible. Pastor Leah talks about the Bible is God speaking back to us. So God will speak to us through the Bible. Sometimes God may speak to us through our leaders, our mature Christian friends. And God will speak to us privately. But if that doesn't work, God goes into plan B. Plan B is this. You know, pride is very interesting. When we have pride, we do not know it. 
The antidote to pride is embarrassment. The antidote to pride is embarrassment. So God steps it up to plan B. If you will not hear privately, personally, then God has to do it publicly. Because when we are embarrassed, we lose our pride. And God is more interested in our character than our comfort. He is more interested in our holiness than our happiness. Sometimes the truth hurts. And God has to bring us to a place, sometimes of public humiliation or embarrassment among friends so that our pride can be revealed to us, our weaknesses can be exposed. Amen? So I always say this. I say we have three sights. Foresight, hindsight, insight. Foresight is great. It's visions and dreams for the future. We all have to have that for your life, for the church. Hindsight is critical because we learn from the mistakes we made. We learn by looking back into the history. But of foresight and hindsight, the most important is insight. Because only insight will cause us to change from the inside. Because insight will reveal our true self. And God today not only wants to give you and I visions and dreams, God not only wants to teach us lessons from our past, God today wants to give us insights. And when we have insights to our own life, maybe for some of us it is pride. For some of us it is insecurity. And really, insecurity is just the baby cousin of pride. Maybe for some of us, it's other weaknesses that we have. And God reveals it to us, sometimes through the devil, give permission for sifting so that it will come up and we will change. But He doesn't do this sadistically. God does it, but at the same time, He is praying for you. He is believing that your faith will not fail. He is knowing that you will return and you will come back stronger and better and you can be a blessing to your brothers and your sisters. That's the beauty of it all. Amen. So today, I want you to know that God wants us to have godly character. So if you are going through a season of sifting right now, listen, God is with you but it is how you respond. Focus on how you respond. When you are going through a test, what's the best thing you can do? Focus on the test. Respond well. Go through the test. Pass the test. He is cheering for you. But for some of us, especially if you are a leader and you are looking to hire somebody, promote somebody, choosing somebody, all marry somebody. When that person goes through the test, watch, because it's the best time that it will reveal that character. So when some of my leaders, some of my staff go through tests, I watch. Not in a sadistic way, not in a gloating way, like, wow, this is fun. Not not in that way. But, But I pray. I pray that their faith will not fail. I believe the best for them, but at the same time, 
When I watch them go through the test, their response will determine their character and their character will determine if we promote them to be leaders in the future. Come on, let's give Jesus a big hand clap. Amen. Are you getting this? So right now, I want to pray for you. Let's, let's close our eyes right now. Let's bow our heads. Father, I just want to pray, first of all, to thank you that you, you care for us and you want the best of us and you want to prepare us to be sons and daughters of character and holiness. So I, I thank you that you are God of truth, a God of love, that Jesus, you will be brave enough, secure enough to give permission sometimes that our character will be revealed. I pray for two groups of people here. And that's you. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. I pray for the first group. If you are going through a test, a time of sifting right now, I pray in the name of Jesus. And I know Jesus is praying the same prayer. I pray that you have wisdom, strength, courage, faith, that your faith will not fail. In the name of Jesus, your faith will not fail. And like Paul, one day, someday you will say, I have fought the good fight. I have kept the faith. I pray in the name of Jesus that you will be strengthened throughout this and return to Jesus, a better, stronger person that out of your trials and testings will become your ministry as well, that your pain will become your pulpit as well. Thank you, Jesus. Second group of people, I pray for those of us who are in the process of choosing leaders, choosing the person to marry, choosing staff in, in businesses, in a place of making decisions about relationship. God, I pray that you give us eyes of wisdom, eyes of discernment, spiritual eyes, that when some of these people go through tests, that we will be able to see so that we will know that these tests reveal character and we only hire, marry, relate to people of character. Thank you, Jesus. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have reached the end of the sermon. We pray that you've been blessed by the Word of God. To find out more about us, you can log on to www.heartofgodchurch.org or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at HOGC. You can also follow Pastor Hao on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Xiao Hao or check out his website at www.pastorhao.com.